0: listening to the revenge of the birds podcast part of the sb nation podcast network hosted by blake murphy seven and johnny venerable
1: all about your arizona cardinals
0: also find my co-host the venerable john venerable and uh we're joined today by our special guest we've got uh, from the pro football network tony pauline nfl draft insider is joining us today and uh, Tony, uh, how are you doing? And we've got just uh, single digit days now for the rest of the NFL draft. So we're grateful for your time. I know it's the busiest time of the season for you. Glad to have you on.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: Tony, we're excited about what the Arizona Cardinals may or may not do. They're, they're picking 16. There's a lot of smoke right now, not so much about teams wanting to come up, but a lot of teams wanting to trade down from the top 10. Um, give us an insight if you've got any right now about why there's some reluctance for for teams like Carolina now trying to move down, potentially Miami trying to move down, and what would the price be for an Arizona if they wanted to come up for one of these premier pass catchers?
1: Well, first thing, half the things that you hear aren't even true. So I, I I don't know that Carolina, teams will send out feelers now. But, you know, if a player like Jamar Chase is there, if a Kyle Pitts is there, the Carolina Panthers are not going to want to trade down. If, a Sene, if a Penny Sewell is there, the Carolina Panthers are not going to want to trade down. So those teams, you know, I've not heard of any teams that definitely want to move down. I've heard of teams that will consider moving down if the right package is there and the player that they don't want falls uh, to them. Uh, you know, you, usually see, you occasionally see one or two big trades, as we saw you know, with San Francisco uh, a couple of weeks ago and what Miami did. But that, that is uh, you know, the exception to the rule. You usually don't see that many trades taking place before draft day. You remember you, you know, the trades for uh, Kansas City moving up to get Patrick Mahomes, Texas, Houston, Texas moving up to get Deshaun Watson. Those were draft day trades. So uh, it's not that it, there's any reluctance. I don't think that these teams are hell-bent on moving down at this point in time.
0: That's some great insight, Tony. Uh, when it comes at least to with Arizona, there's been a interesting track record we've seen over the past few years. Uh, a lot of, whether it's local media or national media, seems like there's not a whole lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes to the Cardinals, specifically even when it came to the number one pick in Kyler Murray uh, a few years ago. It seemed like there was... A lot of people much earlier on the bandwagon, whether it was within scouts or other people, uh, even before it kind of seemed like it hit media for the most part. What has kind of been some of the track record as far as with Arizona with tendencies on the draft? We've so far seen, at least under the Steve Kime tenure, very few trade-ups, a few trade-backs overall when it's come to the first round. How do you expect at least Arizona will want to mitigate this year when it comes to uh, moving around the draft, considering they don't have a third and a fourth round pick this year due to the Rodney Hudson trade and from last year, the DeAndre Hopkins trade.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because if you go back to the Kyler Murray trade, the Kyler Murray year, the Kyler Murray selection, I was actually the first one to break the news from the combine that year that Cliff Kingsbury was telling people at the combine it was a done deal. Kyler Murray was going to be the first pick of the draft. You can go yes. back and that up. and I got Oh, that. I remember it. And I, and I got a lot of grief for that. And, and then, sure enough, on draft day, when the Cardinals were called to the clock, they, they were like – it looked like a painting. I mean, they they looked like zombies here. They didn't move. Because <laughs> the league wouldn't let them uh, make the pick until, you know, nine minutes had passed. Now, uh, you know, it's tough to really get, uh, you know, your your thumb on what time's done because there's been – there was a change in coaching. And when, when he brought in Cliff Kingsbury, it was a change in systems – And Cliff Kingsbury comes in, you know, with the pretense that they're going to draft Kyler Murray, they're going to get rid of Josh Rosen, and they're going to change the system for Cliff Kingsbury, who had recruited all these great quarterbacks, while Steve Kime has only been two years, you know, under Cliff Kingsbury. I do think they made some good trades in the offseason. I thought the trade for Rodney Hudson was fantastic. You know, everybody wants draft picks, but Rodney Hudson filled, uh, filled a need at center, and they got a good player there. Um, what I know about the, the Cardinals is this, and this is an article that's going to be on Pro Football Network. I'm told that they covet one of three players. They have gaping needs at the cornerback spot. So they want either Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn, and they would like Jalen Waddell to add some speed at the receiver position. If they don't get any of those three players, or and none of those three players fall to them, which I don't think is going to happen, I think they're going to surprise And they're going to take a guy like Zabin Collins with that 16. Wow. Because when you look at it, Chandler Jones is getting up there in years, and he's he's at the end of, you know, he's in the last year of his contract. Marcus Golden is also over 30 years old. They just signed him to a two year nominal deal. I mean, Zabin Collins is a forceful, I believe, underrated linebacker. As I said time and time again, Collins is the type of guy that I think two or three years down the road people are going to wonder why he wasn't a top-ten pick. He is that type of player. He just doesn't fit the mold that NFL teams look for in linebackers these days. He's not a safety-sized linebacker, you know, with great speed. He's a forceful guy, a three-down defender, great physical skills, pre-med major, terrific instincts. I think he's got a high upside. And if the Cardinals can't get one of those players – whether it's a move up or one of those, those three guys I mentioned fall into the laps. I, I think they go Zayvon Collins. What I, I'm sorry. What I'm hearing is they really like Zayvon Collins and that's the direction they'd go.
2: Wow. Tremendous insight, Tony. This is why we have you on. Uh, just cutting through it. My question for you is I personally would prefer somebody like Devonte Smith over uh, Jalen Waddell. I'm not realistic. Either would be there. And I noticed in your rankings, you have Smith Four, four spots higher than Waddle, and I think pairing somebody of Smith's size with Kyler Murray, who's undersized, and that's no secret, I, I think is the best route to take. I worry about a combination, Tony, about a combination of Jalen Waddle, who's just under 5'10", Kyler, who's undersized. The Cardinals have taken several undersized receivers recently, Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk. Neither has popped yet. Do you, do you, are, do you have concerns with that, or do you see it as a fit?
1: I don't have concerns about the size. I have concerns that Jalen Waddell is an undeveloped receiver that at this point is more reputation than he is reality. I mean, Jalen Waddle was okay in 2019. He barely saw the field because there were three tremendous receivers playing in front of him. He was the number four receiver. And then this year, when it looked like his game was about to take off, he had a significant ankle injury, which basically shelved him for the year. I think in Devonta Smith. Yeah, you're getting a guy that doesn't have, you know, he, he's not small. He's just not big frame. He's a smaller guy with a very thin frame. But he's a polished receiver. He's a terrific receiver. He knows how to separate. He separates through his route running. He separates through his football awareness. He's a consistent pass catcher. He doesn't have the home run hitting speed of Jalen Waddle. although he's fast enough to get down the field. You know, he's not going to alter the momentum of games as a return specialist like Jalen Waddle. But I think he's more of a plug-and-play guy, and I think with Kyler Murray, you want dependable receivers, guys that can get separation that he can get the ball to, as much as you want, you know, a home run hitter. So I could understand why people would want, you know, a Devonta Smith to basically slide in there as a slot receiver. Although the argument could be made that Jalen Waddle brings the speed uh, to the receiver position that the Cardinals really want.
0: Yeah, it's great stuff, Tony. Uh, I wanted to ask also about um, not just the top two cornerbacks. A lot of people have wondered if Arizona's not able to land one of the likes of Uh, Patrick Sertan or uh, J.C. Horn. Uh, Waddle is a guy we've heard that there may be some rumblings that Kyler Murray may prefer him just simply due to having that speed. Uh, The deep threat that they thought they were getting in Andy Isabella has not worked out. Uh, If the Cardinals are in a position at least where let's say some of them are not going to maybe not consider alignment, how about some of the other cornerbacks, whether it's Greg Newsome or um, obviously there's two other guys in Rashad Bateman. I think you mentioned that in a previous podcast, Kadarius Tone is being mocked in the first round and he's likely to go into the second round what would be kind of the odds of Arizona looking to address some of those needs potentially with maybe not a reach as much on Collins but maybe even after somewhat of a trade back assuming there's a team that wants to move up and grabbing one of those guys in the later first round
1: well I mean you're not going to take any of those guys you mentioned at 16 Uh, it would have to be a trade down because Newsom is a bit of a reach. Uh, as are the, the receivers. A lot of people like Bateman, but I still think 16 is a little bit early for Bateman. And I like Bateman. I think that uh, he had a down season in 2020, but the fact is he didn't even know if he was going to be playing football in 2020. So you, you got to factor that in. Ran much faster uh, than I think people expected. Although he does play pretty fast. <coughs> Excuse me. That said, I still think 16 is a little bit early for him. Newsom, I, I think, is a late. First-round guy at best. Kadarius Tony, I think, is a second-round guy who could go late first. You know, so you, you, know, you, want, you would trade down. I guess the X factor would be Celeb Farley. And I've not heard whether or not the Cardinals have red-flagged him because of his back injury. A lot of teams have. I'm sure that there are some teams that haven't. To be honest with you, I don't know what the Cardinals are thinking right now about Celeb Farley and his back.
2: Uh, drawing our attention back to davin collins and the conversation of the first linebacker selected i know you've got micah parsons ahead of him in your rankings i think he's a top 10 player in this draft is there some rumblings are there some rumblings ahead of the draft that that collins could slip above parsons and do you project both as outside linebackers in a 3-4 scheme
1: i think that Uh, both players can play in a 3-4 or a 4-3, although I think Zayvon Collins is more adept as a 3-4 outside linebacker because of his pass-rushing skill. Uh, The only way Zayvon Collins is selected before Micah Parsons is if there are a lot of red flags that pop up on Micah Parsons, which is a possibility. I mean, because there is talk about the -the off-the-field character issues, and they are true to some extent. You know, I've stated all along Michael Parsons, he's a tremendous athlete, but if you watch the film, his instincts run hot and cold, uh, and it's a situation, on the if you watch the college film, where he wasn't the most instinctive guy in the world, he seemed to struggle to find the ball at times, or he was searching for the action, but he was able to make up for the mistakes with his superior speed, which he has in both the straight line as well as laterally. It's easy to do on Saturday. You can't do that on Sunday. You can do that on Sunday, you're going to get beat, so... I mean, Parsons is. if Parsons starts to slide, he could slide a long way. And Collins could conceivably be selected before him, although I, I don't know that's going to happen. If it does happen, it's more because major red flags are starting to pop up on Parsons, or teams have those red flags on, on Parsons.
0: Sure. Yeah, and Tony. What's interesting is looking at uh, the likes as far as a three-four linebacker. Collins' coverage is uh, just from the time I've studied. Uh, our site manager Seth Cox uh, was watching Tulsa film because you know he has nothing better to do. He said, and Collins just popped for the most part off of him. Uh, probably around January, or so he's got probably I would argue better coverage um, instincts and technique. When you mention questionable instincts and coverage, having a bit of uh, pass rush upside ability to blitz, uh, there's a lot of similarities with Parsons to where the Cardinals drafted Hassan Reddick previously. Uh, Reddick, granted, was not playing at the linebacker position. He was having to transition from defensive end, didn't have a whole lot of production. Uh, with how Arizona's scheme is set up, they seem to have like their main edge rusher role, or I guess the bandit package, of uh, a strong side... Uh, linebacker for the most part, which from what we've seen currently is a role that's likely to be uh, taken by Devon Kennard without any other cuts. And the Cardinals projected Isaiah Simmons to be essentially like their starting will linebacker. So is Arizona then thinking that they're going to be seeing Zavin as a Mike? Is this a spot where they're looking at him as being a pass rusher as far as, you know, hey, like this is a guy we'll put as far as Chandler Jones and then you know, he's good enough that we can put him in coverage if need be. Or are they seeing this as a potential shift as far as with the taking de- the maybe best player versus specific scheme fit? Because I agree with you in that I see Zayvon Collins as a better scheme fit for Arizona than Parsons to begin with.
1: Yeah, it, it, Collins, the primary uh, attractiveness for uh, of Collins to the Cardinals is his pass rush ability. He's a guy that you line up at. You know, whether it's that that Chandler Jones position, whether it's the Marcus Golden position, the Vaughn Kennard position, whatever it is, you know, you can send him up the field. And he's not a liability in coverage. I mean, he's been a good player for two years. You watch the Tulane game that everyone is familiar with. Game goes into overtime. Uh, I interviewed him. He he did a great job reading uh, that play and remaining disciplined with the assignment. He intercepts the pass, he takes it back 90 yards, Tulsa wins the game. I mean, that's the kind of player you're getting. But it would be a situation where they would draft David Collins primarily for his pass-rushing ability. The other things would also fall into place eventually.
2: Let's pivot off Arizona, uh, Tony, if we could. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you probably a question you've been asked 10 times over. We're nine days out. Who's the pick to San Francisco in, in, <laughs> if, if at number three right now, division rival, Somebody, the Cardinals need to leapfrog this year. Who, who's the quarterback they're going to take?
1: I thought, I thought you were going to ask me my favorite Led Zeppelin album, but uh, which I and
2: that's also my favorite band, by the way, and, and it's Led Zeppelin 4 is mine.
1: Uh, physical graffiti here. I, anyway, uh, you know, listen. All I can tell you is this: two weeks ago uh, on the show I do with Trey Wingo, uh, I, I made a comment uh, or I reported that it was premature to think that San Francisco was all in on Mac Jones and people penciling Mac Jones in as the third pick. Uh, that was not the case. It's not a foregone conclusion. Uh, I think the Niners are playing this right. I mean, they got everybody guessing. They really don't need to have anybody guessing because we know who the first two quarterbacks are going to be, but they're doing their homework as they should be. I I, I mean, Mac Jones does not deserve to be the third pick of the draft. Justin Fields and and Trey Lance have issues in their games that need to be uh, ironed out, but they're much more talented than, uh, than Mac Jones. Mac Jones had a great ascension. Draft boards, terrific senior campaign uh, terrific campaign in 2020, outstanding senior vote, but he's not worthy of the third pick of the draft. Uh, you know, I, I still have a difficult time seeing that. I've heard from the beginning that it was likely going to be Trey Lance, and then they keep Jimmy Garoppolo around for a year to develop Trey Lance. I've also heard there's, there's obviously the possibility of Justin Fields. The only thing I can tell you right now is I firmly believe from what I've heard it's not It's not a guarantee that they're taking Matt Jones with the third pick of the draft. I've been saying that for more than two weeks now.
0: Absolutely, yeah. The draft seems like in a lot of ways it starts at four. Um, the biggest question, I think at least, is if we do end up seeing the likes of Trey Lance and then some combination of Justin Fields going, whether it's in a trade-up or somewhere in the top ten, uh, this, odds are at least if Matt Jones does go in the top 15, it'll push a talent down to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, One thing I did want to touch on before we talk a little bit about Arizona's second-round pick and maybe some of your draft sleepers, whether they fit Arizona or not, is there's been some talk about the running back position. Uh, You had a little bit of insight, at least, with Najee Harris. As I know, um, there's been a couple of Cardinals fans who've been almost adamant about the Cardinals just taking a high-performing running back. Uh, In some cases, it makes sense for the most part, given the fact that they have James Conner under a one-year deal Chase Edmonds his contract expires next year um, we also know that their GM spent some time with Travis Etienne who actually said he would love to go to Arizona what are some of your thoughts about Arizona and the running back need are they going to look at a back at some point in this draft or is it something where they may go into next year just kind of starting afresh
1: well you know number one I, I I'd see Najee Harris mocked to the Cardinals and Right from the get-go, it didn't make sense to me because I don't think he's a good system fit. You know, they could get a good back in round two that I think is a better fit. A guy like a Michael Carter of North Carolina, maybe Khalil Herbert in round three from Virginia Tech, Kenneth Gainwell in round three from Memphis. I think those guys are, are better fits for their system uh, than a Najee Harris or even a Travis Etienne. Uh I do think that they could come, you know, potentially depending on what they do. I know, I know that they, they're limited as far as third round is concerned, but you can come a, come away uh, with a good back in day three that fits their system.
2: Yeah, I, I think, especially with the signing of James Conner, it allows them not to reach on a player, uh, especially if they don't have a third or a fourth round pick this year. Um, I, let's talk uh, about the Detroit Lions at, at pick seven. It's a team that – supposedly wants to move down. I know you've kind of thrown some fire on teams. Will they or won't they, depending on who's available, what could they do? I've seen a lot of mocks having the Lions taking a receiver just with their makeup, who's running the show now. The fact that they have multiple first-round picks in the coming years, to me, that doesn't add up. I would think they're more likely, if a Pitts or a Jamar Chase is gone, to take maybe one of the tackles. Or is that the spot... Tony, where you think the first defensive player could go uh, at pick seven to Detroit?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, Sewell makes a lot of sense there. If, in fact, he's there, if he gets past Cincinnati, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think the Bengals are almost in a situation where they've got to take uh, Penny Sewell, and it makes a lot, a lot of sense. Uh, you know, if you look at the Detroit roster, their entire receiving core was made over this year with very average guys. I mean, they signed Brashad Perriman uh, from the New York Jets, and Brashad Perriman has been less consistent than the weather throughout his NFL career. So uh, as far as a tight end position is concerned, I mean, they used the top ten pick on T.J. Hawkinson just a few years ago. Uh, Kyle Pitts would be a nice addition. I don't know that it's a necessary addition, but I do think that, you know, if a Jamar Chase happens to fall into their laps or even a Devonta Smith, I, I absolutely think that's the way they go because, you know, and I also think that they will at least converse about maybe taking a quarterback there if a quarterback, a good quarterback is available to them at seven because I don't think that they are sold that Jared Goff is their, their guy for the future. I, I think the Lions are in, in a very good spot. I think it would be Sewell. I think it would be one of the receivers. I think it could be a quarterback or possibly trade down if the right offers uh, put in front of them.
0: Yeah, I agree, Tony. It's kind of a keep it simple, stupid thing, I think, of last year's draft with, uh, you know, people are mocking offensive tackles and linebackers to the Dolphins and to the Chargers. And sure enough, the two quarterbacks went at five and six.
2: Hey, Hey, Tony, hey, real quickly, Elijah Vera Tucker. Option at 16 for the Cardinals, that's been a trendy pick. I don't think people outside of this organization or cover the team know that the Cardinals have done a lot to upgrade their offensive line. Is that realistic to you?
1: He may not be there. Uh, yeah. And, again, I, I released an article earlier today on, on Pro Football Network that talks about how the Minnesota Vikings really want Christian Dariuso, but they don't think he's going to be there because the San Diego Chargers could take uh, – the Los Angeles Chargers could take him with the 13th pick. And if that is – if, in fact, they do that, I'm told the Minnesota Vikings could uh, swipe uh, uh, Vera Tuckle off the board with pick number 14. Hmm. I think if he's there, it's got to be a consideration, but I don't know that he's going to be there. Wow. Yeah.
0: Last question before you go, Tony, at least since we know you have to go. uh, Looking at round two for the draft, if you're looking at Zayvon Collins in the first, what would be the operations for the Cardinals? Would they look at corners, potentially trade back for some other picks? What would be something to look for at round two uh, for the Cardinals?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I'm not in their front office, so I don't know. But if you're looking for a speed receiver, you can probably get a good one in the middle of round two. You know, Elijah Moore of Mississippi, it will probably be staring them in the face. Uh, And he's a guy who's a vertical threat, who really had a breakout year under Lane Kiffin at Mississippi this year. If you're trading down, I mean, there's a lot of good receivers. If they trade down, Dwayne Eskridge at the bottom of round two is another speed receiver. Uh, Anthony Schwartz of Auburn's more of a third-round pick. If they're able to get one of those uh, third-round picks back, I, I think with the depth at the receiver position and really a cornerback uh, spot or a cornerback position that gets kind of iffy after your top two guys, even your top three guys, you know, maybe I could see them taking a the Kelvin Joseph if he's there in round two, and Aaron Robinson of Central Florida. I happen to like Asante Samuel of Florida State. He's five foot ten. Uh, he's a little bit came in a little bit taller than people thought. I think that would also be a, a good choice. But I, I think the receiver is the sure bet in round two if they don't make any moves.
0: Great stuff, Tony. Thanks again for joining us so much. know you're going to get going. You're at a busy week, sir. Thanks again so much for joining.
1: Thanks for having me. Have a nice evening, fellas.
2: Thanks, Tony. All right. So we just got off with NFL draft insider guru Tony Pauline of the Pro Football Network fortunate with his busy schedule to get him on board and Blake, as he mentioned in that call, and it's a good reminder because i had forgotten until he mentioned this two years ago in 2019, he was the first on his podcast. I remember walking my dog in um, February of that year. And he was talking about how Cliff was going on and on about Kyler being the pick of the combine. And I had forgotten that just until he brought that up. So he's tapped in with this organization enough to be able to give us a clear cut view Blake, of, of where they're at. And I think that a couple things probably don't surprise us with his comments. I, I'm I'm a little bit surprised maybe Devontae Smith wasn't included in his big three. Maybe that's just because they're realistic that he's not going to be there. But again, you look at, I think it's a no-brainer. Horn, certain, and as much as, you know, I'm hit or miss on Jalen Waddell, that's the big three right now if they're going to stay home at pick 16. And then a name... I think the name of the conversation, nine days out, start familiarizing yourself, Cardinal fans, with a certain linebacker from Tulsa, Zavian Collins, who I think a lot of people mistake for an inside backer, but it's clear, and he made it clear, the Cardinals want him, and they've learned their Hassan Reddick mistake, they want him rushing the passer, probably situationally behind Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones in year one, and he could still have a role, and then starting next year, what were your thoughts on that?
0: Well, the first thing I thought of, at least, is looking at Arizona's scheme, it doesn't make as much sense to add another inside linebacker when you spent a pick on one last year. And this is also, John, in a lot of ways, an indictment of this current edge class, I think is what that seems. If they're looking at Zayvon Collins as an edge rusher who can also cover then you're talking about being able to, you know, with Chandler Jones being age 30. If he can come in, and again, PFF had him with the highest coverage grade of any of these linebackers. The fact that he's a 6'5", 260-pound guy. He's productive. And essentially, like, even though it's a smaller school in Tulsa, like, the way I think you could look at that is, that's a very similar profile to what Chandler Jones was coming out at 6'6", 260 out of Syracuse. Um Maybe at least it's one of those questions of 3-4 versus a 4-3. He's athletic enough, I think, to be able to man that spot. Now, then again, that brings up the question. If you're taking a another linebacker for that scheme you're kind of trying to bet, what does that leave the likes of Devon Kennard? Are you going to keep him there, rotate him in and out, and try to plug him in at that Sam linebacker position? In one case, John, you're kind of saying, hey, we're kind of replacing Hassan Reddick with who we – you know like the best way you could describe it is hey we thought Hassan Reddick was an inside linebacker he's more of a sam outside linebacker you let him walk you'd be getting Zaven Collins there's still been so much as far as being addressed to the linebacker position when john it's not like the linebacker position for the cardinals is bad like they got JJ Watt to pair with Jones in the offseason And when you're talking about other needs, like you brought up Elijah Vera Tucker, I love uh, Oklahoma State's Tevin Jenkins. The question at least is, is this a best player type of thing for Arizona versus taking the best need? Because I I think, John, you and I could agree – If you had to say, would you rather have a pass rusher for next year or have an offensive lineman for next year, knowing that Justin Pugh's going to be walking out that door, you're probably not going to be getting any younger, Brian Winters is kind of the guy. There's going to be, I think, questions about, are you spending so much and so many resources on the defensive side that you're really not giving Cliff and Kyler a chance to succeed? And I think that's my question to you is, do you think that this is a positional value there? Because, I honestly, I love the player. I just question, is it going to really fill the biggest need for the Cardinals to make an impact year one.
2: I think an edge rusher in the first round is always good value, and if you love the kid, you pull the trigger. And I think that listen, if this was in, in a weird way, if this was Hassan Reddick 2.0, had Reddick busted completely, didn't have the year he just had, uh, I think a lot of fans would revolt this pick. But I think it's pretty clear. I mean, a lot of that is the of the issues with Reddick was the Cardinals mishandling his development, and it was nice to hear Tony talk about. Xavier Collins, and you just say, he's he's going to rush the passer for them. He's not an off-ball inside linebacker. He's going to fill the void, um, eventually left by either Chandler Jones. He's going to be the next generation, they hope, for the next 10 years edge rusher uh, on the outside, applying heat on opposing quarterbacks. That's always good first-round value. And typically, if you want one of those players, a double-digit sack artist is usually taken within the first 40 picks. So I have no issue with positional value there. And I will, I will also say, Blake, that Unlike what we saw with Isaiah Simmons last year, who couldn't get on the field, and what we've seen at certain times with Byron Murphy not playing enough, uh, Vance Joseph has done a nice job developing pass rushers, getting them roles even outside of the starters. I would not have a concern for, I I would think that if they took Collins, you would have a hybrid role with he and Marcus Golden. Marcus Golden would Mm -hmm. have spot starts and Xavier Collins would have spot starts. Chandler's your staple on the left-hand side, but Chandler's also coming off major injury. I in a weird way I would not worry at all about snaps, especially when you consider he got Dennis Garnett a lot of snaps. Again, Reddick was playing a lot before Chandler Jones got hurt. If if you can say anything about uh, Vance Joseph, the Cardinals have consistently rushed the quarterback since he became their DC. So I, I again, it's not the issue of this is Jordan Phillips and Devondre Campbell two. Savvy veterans who are a little bit compromised athletically, but can call the defense and they're the field generals and blah, blah, blah. Who can bring heat on third down? And I like what he mentioned, just his coverage ability. We know this with Collins is, is off the charts. So just long, athletic. If you haven't looked up his his highlights, his measurables, he looks the part. I mean, I think the only concern I have is you're going to go another small school guy in the first round, with, with that, and you did that with Redick. Um, Temple and Tulsa, they even kind of sound alike but i mean he's a quintessential right now top 20 pick i um i i think you know realistically too if they could trade down and still get him where chicago's picking where washington's picking i don't know if that's as realistic but then i thought it was interesting i'm mean, like some you know the elijah vera tucker thing is catching fire but you heard him mention you know he's it sounds like going to be the first interior offensive lineman off the board and go quick, assuming you think Slater can play right tackle. Um, I just, I like the Collins pick more because, like, Elijah Vera Tucker probably, like, I don't think he's going to play next year. He's not playing over Justin Pugh, and then they've got a three man battle going on at right guard, all of which either have been in the system or Brian Winters is, you know, a 10 year pro. And I. Tucker's game to me is finesse, which means he needs to put on weight and add power to his game. That's a long-term move. That's a D.J. Humphreys kind of move. And for a team that needs their first-round pick to play next year and contribute, I just I don't like that. Um, I want somebody, whether it's a corner, receiver, pass rusher, even a running back, which he uh, thankfully kind of discredited, just get snaps and have a role next year. And I, I have no concerns about Collins coming in. And I, you know, being a situational pass rusher. Remember, remember Alden Smith. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, when he went to San Francisco, right around pick twelve. Oh yeah. Um, or picks maybe seven, pick twelve. I can't remember where he was. Was not a starter his rookie year and had double digit sacks. So I wouldn't get caught up in is Xavier Collins starting? Is he contributing? Can he apply pressure? Is he improving? Um, I think that's the the biggest question mark you have for him. But I mean, he was. I mean, Blake, he was very adamant that he is he is absolutely in play. It's a name that you and I and and, and Seth Cox and our buddy Jess Root at Cardswire have talked about for some time, but I don't think I've heard any national analyst, draft analyst, be that adamant that, that this is the name to watch if... One of the big three is gone, and we, this could be a moot point. I mean, Jalen Waddle could fall. They could trade up for Jalen Waddle. Peter Schrager, of course, if you haven't seen it already, had the Cardinals trading up to seven. I didn't like what they gave up, or yeah, to seven with Detroit to get Jalen Waddle. So we don't know the package. We don't know the pick necessarily, but now we, we have a firm understanding of, of the names, and I think right now we've got a big four.
0: Yeah, John, this is kind of the third place that I've heard Zayvon Collins been linked to Arizona, which I think is interesting. A lot of it comes down to, I think, also the factor that if you're looking at one of the first teams that seemingly was linked or was in on Zayvon Collins was the New England Patriots at pick 15. So that is something I think that's very interesting at least to me is if you're kind of going to read between the lines just a little bit let's say the Arizona's not alone on Zayvon Collins there if the Patriots want a quarterback or are not able to get one they're in a spot with Dante Hightower coming back they could probably still use another pass rusher for that defense that defense was terrible last year Um, you're talking about having to essentially you know I believe uh, Adam Butler may be on his way out they still are in a win-now type of mode. if they're not able to land one of the top quarterbacks. And maybe what you'd look at is a potential scenario for this. Let's say the Patriots trade up to four, Falcons jump back to pick 15. Suddenly the Falcons can take Saban Collins as an edge rusher. Maybe some of this is also Arizona letting a bit out. John Gambadoro has spent the week talking about Micah Parsons. And, John, we've talked about this before. Sometimes things will kind of get let out a bit early from Arizona and then seem to rectify it late. I like to think of that 2017 season, you know, all we heard before the draft was Arians loves Kaiser, Arians loves Kaiser, Arians loves Kaiser. Now, uh, first of all, don't take that and repeat on Twitter. That sounds really interesting out of context, but the fact of Deshaun Kaiser was that he was never in consideration for the Cardinals. They were adamant that one of Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson would fall to them at 13, Teams knew that they wanted a quarterback, traded up for ones ahead of them at pick 10 and 12. And in that second round, John, I think you even mentioned, you thought for sure they were going to go and grab him. I felt like he did not fit Arian's mold as far as a leader. They instead trade up for Buda Baker. Uh, Let's go ahead. That's one of the scenarios that I'm curious about. I do think that Collins, especially if you see him as an edge, He fits that mold far better than Micah Parsons does from a size perspective. And like he he said, um, Tony does too. So here's another thing I think, and this is a couple of the latest draft news we'll get into, John. I'll send some of this back to you and your thoughts we see how Peter Schrager says, yeah, Cardinals may trade up for Waddle. We've heard some inside news that Kyler Murray would love to have Jalen Waddle as far as the pick, which in a lot of cases makes sense. He is an elite type of deep threat and an excellent athlete. He's had some struggles as far as press coverage, but if you look at the player and that talent, um, the best way I could describe it is whatever you're hoping that Andy Isabella would be and how he'd struggled, um, Waddle's a guy who could do all of what he's had, is able to be a much better player, especially as far as the hands go. He's a fantastic at the catch point. He also could probably play outside. I'm not as concerned about that as much. He is like Kyler Murray when he's got the ball in his hands as far as yards after the catch of just making guys miss in space. You try to take an angle on him, he just outruns it. He's one of the most fun players to watch in this draft. So if Peter Schrager said, hey, you he might be there at seven, what I'm looking at is the Dolphins are saying, hey, we may want to move back from pick six, which, John, you, I think, even talked about making that trade was weird for the Dolphins to make it so early. Like, yeah, hey, if you're going to make any sense, you're talking about with Pitts or Chase for that. And I think you had the best way of putting it, at least for that one. Of it was kind of a failure if they wanted Pitts or Chase. And if they go at four or five, that kind of is a bit of a failure there.
2: <laughs> yeah, like I don't it doesn't make sense they they try to outthink the room oh we're going to go down okay we'll commit to going down well we'll come back up but I mean in my opinion there are three unicorns in this draft only three Trevor Lawrence uh Jamar Chase and and Kyle Pitts I think Panay Sewell is is wonderful I don't think he's in the same stratosphere of 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 those other those are if, if Panay Sewell's a blue chip prospect those are gold prospects I consider Kyle Pitts a unicorn. I consider Jamar Chase in the same realm as uh, Julio Jones, AJ Green, and then Trevor Lawrence as a prodigy. So it just didn't make sense to me. And now supposedly they want to move down. Detroit wants to move down. Carolina wants to move down. You know, who knows what Denver wants to do to come up. I just, the, the closer we get to this, I think that, uh, and I like that Tony kind of cut through the BS a little bit. I've seen so much now about Jamar Chase going five to Cincinnati that's assuming Atlanta goes Kyle Pitts, which. It feels like kind of the direction today. I don't know and really care what San Francisco does, but they're taking a quarterback. So you get to Cincinnati at five, and you know it's all fun and games with a receiver. And I love Jamar Chase, and I think he's going to hit. But I also know that I just saw a picture of Joe Burrow and his knee, and he has the biggest scar up and down his knee from essentially splitting open last year. And they're going to go finesse in the first round. And I don't think Jamar Chase is a finesse player. But their offensive line is a sieve. It's awful. And you've got two blue-chip prospects in Slater and Panay Sewell. I I love both of those. I would love it if either fell to 16. To me, that just... I, I The conservative Bengals, who historically—I know they took A.J. Green once upon a time, but they had Andrew Whitworth protecting uh, Andy Dalton at left tackle, and they had another first-round tackle, Andre Smith at right tackle. They Their offensive line is awful. They've missed on so many picks. I just think that, to me, that's the play, which would leave Miami with Jamar Chase. But let's say the Bengals get, get cocky. They take Chase. They reunite him with Gerald, Joe Burrow. I think that's that's an area— if Miami just wants to recoup their losses and they want to move back back to the teens, get that first they missed out on, I think that's an area for Arizona, if you want to come up and just sacrifice a, a future one and you love Devontae Smith or they you know, they love Jalen Waddell, that's something that we could see. I think that there's going to be a sweet spot in the late part of the top 10 where if you're Steve kime and again, I don't think he's going to want to Sacrifices to two this year i think it's all going to be future picks because he's you know he's he's buying out he's getting a second mortgage on his on his house to go and put all his chips in uh, you know in the <laughs> middle of the table with his business this sure. year to keep it af- to keep it afloat that's what you do and goodness if 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 things blow up in his face he loses his job and the cardinals don't have a first round pick next year trying to convince gms to take this job is going to be another issue in and of itself but
0: well, you got, Ky- that- got Kyler, John. I think there's going to be at least plenty. And well, I'm they probably go, go internal. Yeah, they do yeah, go internal. They probably no.
2: go internal. I did want to bring Peter up Peter this- Schrager. Yeah, go, for go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, Peter Schrager up. is the aforementioned draft insider that outside of Adam Schefter and a couple guys I lean on the most. He had a week out last year, his mock draft 3.0. This time last year, he had the Cardinals taking Isaiah Simmons at 8. And, and Simmons was in play. But it wasn't the quintessential, this He's is what's going to Derek happen. He talked
0: Brown before that, too, John. And we knew that the yeah. Cardinals loved Brown. We said we didn't want them to take Brown, but we knew hey, they were going after a defensive player we knew that they were saying, hey, Andrew Thomas, probably gonna be gone. They knew, hey, we're probably not gonna take CD land that early. We know that if they had had a scenario we talked about even, they had a potential trade back scenario. And that's usually one of the things I was gonna talk about, John, is whenever you see trade up or trade back scenarios, they're never just, hey, we're just gonna trade up for the heck of it, which is kind of why Miami was a bit surprising What we saw with Arizona was they were looking to trade back. There was at least a deal in place, if need be, for the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons were looking, obviously, at cornerback in last year's draft. They were hoping to jump the Jacksonville Jaguars, who picked C.J. Henderson at 9. So you put some of those pieces together, and now you start adding that to this year's draft scenario. And when you're talking about Schrager has, hey, Cardinals are trading up for Pitts, gets feedback. Pitts ain't going to be there because he's going to go either at 4, at 5, or at 6. It's like, all right, so we know that they're looking to be aggressive. Between Horn, Sertan, and Waddle. He had Arizona moving up to seven. The uh, cost would probably be John at least next year's first, maybe a third next year. Uh, you could probably try to get away with giving up next year's second and maybe doing some sort of pick swap. Like let's say Arizona jumped back from the second round to the third round, Detroit jumps up. There's probably ways to get that done. But then the question is well, if the Cardinals are trading that far up. They're trying to get a certain player or maybe even into a certain range. Here's the scenario I think at least you could look at, John. So the first round, if you're talking about, there's going to be about four quarterbacks at least going. The reason why I think the Dolphins are talking about taking trade back opportunities is let's say that, you know, the Trey Lance does go at three. You're talking about them picks four and five. Hey, you may get it where if the Falcons go with Kyle Pitts – The Bengals aren't going to be taking a quarterback. They're probably not trading back, John. I will believe that they're taking Jamar Chase and not a tackle for Burrow when I see it. Like You're going to have to run into the card twice for all of that for me. So then when you're at pick pick six, suddenly if you're the Justin Fields is on the board and you're the New England Patriots, you're the Denver Broncos, you are the Washington football team, that pick all of a sudden becomes the place where you can have a coup and see teams trade up and let's say that it's pick nine, that the Dolphins or the Dolphins say, hey, we can take Devonta Smith at nine, repair him. That's a great fit for us. We'll trade him back to the Broncos, or maybe they jump far back. I think that would be one of the scenarios there. Now, I've not seen a single mock draft that's had Jalen Waddle going in the top ten if the Detroit Lions pass on him. I, I don't see him... He hasn't gone at 10 to Dallas. He hasn't gone at 9 to the Broncos. They've got receivers set. Even the Panthers, at least, people are looking and saying, they're going to probably go offensive line because there's no way that Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater are both going to likely be gone by that pick. And even if they're not, you can just say, oh, well, we've got another you know potential top 10 linebacker since that's where Vika Parsons is viewed. It doesn't seem like that's the spot for the Panthers. So what I think that lines up with John is, where then do the cornerbacks go? Corner could go at 8 to the Panthers. It could go at 9 to the Broncos if it's, say, the Patriots trading up. And whoever's left as far as cornerback, unless Jerry decides to get crazy and trade, you know, eight first-round picks or something for Kyle Pitts because it's it's Jerry. What can you do? He's good at evaluating offensive players, but everyone believes that if Pat Sertan is not going there, it'll be J.C. Horn. So if you're like, okay, if if that's about 8 and 10, talking about that with the different spots and Jalen Waddles not there, where does that leave – while the last of those three players possibly going. We've talked about how we think that the Philadelphia Eagles, they could maybe go with a cornerback at that spot should there be one there over a receiver. Maybe that would be a spot for Smith. But look at the New York Giants at 11, who for their first time in years are talking about trading down. Is it possible, John, that the Cardinals may be trying to jump the Eagles at 12 for whoever's left of Horn, Sertan, and Waddle? Because that, John, would make the most amount of sense to me. Otherwise, why not just stay and wait for whoever falls to you, at least for there, if the Eagles are going to take whatever guy you want at 12? I'm wondering if that may be the scenario to look at is the Cardinals are not maybe trading up into the top 10, but maybe they're just trying to jump Philly to take the player that Philly would take at 12.
2: Yeah, I think Tony was pretty adamant that none of these players, Waddle, Sertan, Horn, will be at pick 16. I think we know that. I think the Cardinals know that. Um, and so, again, if you want and – he, and he also – I think it was pretty um, – it was a pretty alarming comment, at least for some Cardinal fans who are rooting for, like myself, like I like Greg Newsom. I would be fine taking Greg Newsom at 16. He thinks that's an overdraft. Same with Bateman. Same with Tony. I mean, he – it's pretty clear that once you and Peter Schrager and some other people mention this, like once the big three at receiver are gone, we could see a lapse for a while, maybe into the into the mid to late twenties. I think there's a sediment about that on corner as well. And he, he admittedly said, you know, I don't really know where things stand with the Cardinals and Caleb Farley and we've heard from people that we're in touch with that they are not keyed in on him at 16. So you 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 put that all into an equation and just say to yourself, okay, if they if they can't trade down for an Asante Samuel Jr. or somebody like that into the 20s and recoup assets and they're they're sitting at 16, if a waddle were to fall to you, if the if you could make a deal with the Giants, um, I, I think it would be giving up future draft capital to do so. I think that Steve is not in a position where he wants to give up 49. Unless it's to go and get one of the you know the the golden gooses in the top ten, I I don't think you've used Waddle in that in that same realm. But who knows? We we see mocks every day that Cardinals are going to go up to get an Alabama receiver and they're going to give up you know the heaven and earth to do so. So <laughs> yeah. I just if you if you go by and this is not a good metric to go by because of the Raiders. The Cardinals underpaid when they went up for Josh Rosen with Oakland a couple years ago. They went from 15 to 10. They only had to give up a a current year third and a five. They don't have a third, and they don't have a fourth, so the only other pick would be pick 49. I guess you know you you could go up to pick 11. Is that where the Giants are? Pick 11 from 16 and give up pick 49. In my opinion, that would be a little bit of an overpay, and then now you're suddenly like— the draft is over for you. I mean, you're not going to get big time contributors late on day three, at least in year one. You you have huge,
0: like you have huge, you have a huge hole. Now at corner
2: that you haven't filled. You have a huge hole tight end that you haven't filled. So I don't think that's, that's realistic at all. Now, if they wanted to give up maybe a 2022, like what year are we in 2022 second round pick uh, I think that that would be more appetizing. But if Gettleman's on the hot seat, he probably wants a pick this year. So i, I there's a lot to be kind of researched and and di- doing a lot of deep dives into this, but man, I just to me, f- for 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 my best guess, trading up for anybody not named Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts just doesn't seem like a great move. I think you're better off either trading down if possible, or if they, if they love Zayvon Collins, then just take him at 16. Keep pick 49, like he mentioned, and go out and get one of those stud second tier corners in round two. One of those developmental receivers in round two that we always see that hit it's the Cardinals are due for a hit on a second round receiver. I, I, to me, I don't, I don't see it with Jalen Waddle to go up and, and give up future picks or current picks. I think the only two were Pitts and, and chase. That's not realistic by all accounts. So I would rather them – I don't know if Kime will do it or not. I would rather them just stamp hat.
0: Yeah, and that's where, again, like what what I've seen some other people have listed is some people have Jalen Waddle as wide receiver one in this draft, which I think is um, – for me, John, you and I at least can agree, we're not kind of in that same capacity because we that's absolutely nuts. love you know <laughs> what you see as far as the – I guess the, the significance – of, uh, you know, how speed is for coaches versus how the actual players are. I think after seeing Justin Jefferson last year, you'd think that people would learn there should be no way that Jamar Chase should be passed up. He should be the wide receiver one. But if you're talking about looking at how things work best for Kyler Murray, uh, they had the CD lamb. They had uh, a decent, you know, tight end over the middle. Um, But they also had Hollywood Brown. If you're going to say who's better, Hollywood Brown or the likes of Jalen Waddle, you're probably going to get Waddle 10 out of 10 times not just because of the side and speed comparisons, but just his ability downfield, the hands. It would be essentially trying to recreate some of that offense and getting a deep threat. We've seen how they tried to do that with Isabella. He ended up pushing inside to being more of a slot receiver. Uh, Here's kind of the scenario of why I think that pick 11 is the one to watch if there is a move up, John. You talk about his far as trade and trade options you know obviously the four quarterbacks are going to go before at some point we're assuming before pick 10 you got at least one wide receiver maybe there's a second and you've at least got two corners what I'm seeing at least when you run through these different draft scenarios that almost guarantees you're going to be seeing either one of Waddle one of Horn or one of Sertan there at pick 11 with the Giants and if you're going to use this is just a quick example if I'm going to be looking at the this is from the uh, what is this, the uh, NFL, the Draft Network, with their trade scenario. If you're the Arizona Cardinals, you're trading pick 16 up to get to a first-round pick. We talked about pick 7. It would cost you a future first. If you go and give the uh, Giants, at least, a second-round pick next year and say that you give them up their fifth-round pick this year, most likely, it's not going to be enough. They're probably going to be still looking for that second round pick this year, like you said, John. Now, if you're going to give up the 2022 first round pick, then all of a sudden you're you're talking about the uh, the fact at least that it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> See, would the Giants take you know your two first round picks to jump up to pick 11? really depends at least overall you're trying to see if you'd move up for J.C. Horn or for one of Sertan maybe Dave Gettleman would as far as trading back I think what it's really going to come down to overall is do the Cardinals have what it take to be willing to wait and see hey maybe the player they want at Jalen Waddle falls into their laps I don't know if that's the case maybe Devontae Smith falls things go their way if they're going to want to get one of those kind of tier one players and it sounds like and this is my guess John that they don't see Devonta Smith as a Tier 1 player, or they're just saying, ah, there's no way he's there. We've seen a couple of mock drafts where he's fallen. I think at least the biggest case that I'm wondering is, do you get into a 2017-type scenario where you have your picks, your first-round talents, you're like, all right, we got Hassan Redick as our backup option. If someone goes and takes Saban Collins, you know, ahead of you at 15, that's going to be really interesting to be able to watch. It's part of why I've just said, yeah, it's easier for me to envision the likes of a Tevin Jenkins, but... Let's move and talk a little bit about what we learned from running back. And this is I thought was interesting from Pauline. He does not see them looking at Najee Harris at pick 16. Not only is that a bit early, there's also questions about the Cardinals' scheme, which makes me wonder, hey, is this like part of a question at least is, I I think that Najee can fit any scheme, but perhaps there's uh, more of the Cardinals trying to run a different type of RPO zone scheme than they think for Najee the second back we didn't talk as much about javante williams as some of the others i ran a mock scenario this last week john that had travis Etienne. if he doesn't go at 33 and they had the falcons taking javante williams Etienne fell all the way into the second round i don't know if that's going to happen on draft day i could see that being some of the case but i think what the cardinals would love to see happen john and this is a really interesting aspect for me I wonder if there could be an all-defensive draft. Could you see Zavin Collins at pick 16 and then at pick 49, Asante Samuel Jr., who they like and have met with multiple times, Tony even mentioned him, falls into their laps. Could it be an all-defensive draft that we see despite the need for, uh, what we talked about, another weapon for Kyler Murray?
2: Yeah, I, I absolutely could see that. Uh, and I think that if I was a betting man, if they took Xavier Collins, I think that the more likely approach is, if they don't trade down from 49 to get another pick, I think that they're going to take a corner in the second round. I, I just can't – I don't want them to reach, but I, I'm going to be hard-pressed for them not to take a corner in the first two picks. Or if they trade down, if they get a third, so be it. But it's such a strong corner class, I think it just would behoove them to not take one. I think they need to be able to, to, to go into next year – with another complimentary young corner to go with Byron Murphy, to go with Buda Baker in the second secondary to build around. There are so many guys who fit the profile of that outside press man corner that they can play opposite Malcolm Butler. And sure, they can go out and sign another veteran. They can piecemeal it. but And I know you're getting Xavier Collins. You're going to go with the pressure front that we've talked about all offseason. You've got Golden. Uh, Chandler Jones, Jordan Phillips, Isaiah Simmons, J.J. Watt now is in the fold. You've got, you know, a couple nice rotational defensive linemen, Zach Allen. You're going to expect the, the pass rush to be elite next year, especially if you had a first-round pass rushing outside linebacker. Um, but I, I just think that, it, it to me, if corner's not checked in the first round, it's going to be checked soon after that. That's just my gut feeling, given how strong the class is, given the fact they don't have picks in the mid-rounds now. I think that while we'd like to see them at a receiver, and you and I both feel like that's a big, glaring need, at the end of the day, if you're Michael Bidwell and Steve Kime, you're going to look at the fact that Christian Kirk was a second-round pick not too long ago. Andy is still on this team and was a second-round pick, okay? They just gave nice starting money to A.J. Green for a year to play outside. They're talking him up. You've got Keyshawn Johnson, who came on last year. It's not my cup of tea. I don't think Andy Isabella is a pro player. I think they need to make a move for a wideout. But I think it also goes to the fact that how many resources can you spend on one position? They, they used a second-round pick for the Hopkins deal. Of course, we love that pick. But that's a second-round pick that went to a wideout. year before that, a second-round pick that went to a wideout, Isabella. Fourth-round pick, first pick of the fourth round that went on a wide receiver. uh, And uh, Hakeem Butler, who's not with the team, sixth-round pick, (laughs) went to a wideout in Keyshawn Johnson. Year before that, it was Christian Kirk. So, I mean, they've tried to compound the need. They just have missed a lot. And so I'm a big believer, keep swinging until you hit. But I also know that they've taken one receiver, or excuse me, one corner in the first two rounds since they took Patrick Peterson in 2011, and that's Byron Murphy. So rents come due with that position, right? And I think that it's a super, super high-level cornerback class. You've got, I've got right now, and I put this on my Twitter not too long ago, nine in the top 50, and they pick 49, and I think there's going to be a very nice, capable starting corner prospect for them either at 16 or at 49. Receiver to me, again, it, it gets a little muddled, especially when you look at, I think they need a big physical outside receiver, and only so many of these guys in this class fit that mantra, so again, if if they take a Xavier Collins at 16 or a trade down and they take him and they're they've only got one pick at you know between forty nine and you know past pick one hundred, whatever it may be. I, I do think in terms of I don't know if the, the whole draft is gonna be a defensive draft because we've seen in free agency, you know, a lot of their free agent dollars have gone on the defensive side, especially with Malcolm Butler and JJ Watt. I you could take developmental guys, day three picks are such lottery tickets, but it would not surprise me at all. And I think it would be I would sign up for a haul right now. If they love Xavier Collins, Xavier Collins at 16 is good value. It's not a reach. Tony Tony's got him at 15. A lot of people have him in top 12. He's by by far and away he's a top 20 prospect. You take him at 20, you feel good about. Or 16, you feel good about that. And then if you want to you want to run it back in the second round, and you want to take you know a developmental corner that's going to play next year, like a Kelvin Joseph or a Tyson Campbell. Or an Eric Stokes, or he mentioned in, in Aaron Robinson. I, I think you're you're in good shape there, and it would it would remind me, Blake. I know different positions, but it would remind me of the draft where they took Dan Williams in the 20s, and then they took Daryl Washington in the second round, and both of those players I think were hits. I know Dan just his position was a little outdated over time. That that no tackle that's run stuffer that can't rush the passer right but i that that <laughs> yeah. was very much a meat and potatoes draft and just shoring up the middle of your defense this would be shoring up the outside of your defense with an outside pass rusher and an outside corner
0: yeah and that would be the case you obviously be looking at offense next year considering that aj green christian kirk could likely be gone it'll be interesting to see how those needs are met um that will probably be about it first john the biggest last thing i want to touch on is um with the got our tight end at least for that one. I could see Pat Fryermouth be a guy potentially at pick forty nine for Arizona. But sure I ultimately agree with you. If they don't go with a corner in the first round, I do think at least what well, we've had some insight today, they may try to get in that first level I don't know if they're going to be there. Maybe you can get one of Horns or Tanner Waddle. None of the mock draft things that I've pulled up are even allowing Arizona to trade up to 11 because they just say Dave Gettleman doesn't trade down, so it's blocking it in every aspect. So we may have no idea what he would take, at least. He may just say, yeah, sure, give me a third rounder next year. I'll just move back, take my Jalen Phillips, and be good to go. So we'll have a bit more, hopefully, upcoming as far as draft content later this week. We'll be doing, um, hopefully, streaming for you guys a live dueling mocks. Uh, You can find me at Murphy 7 on Twitter. Thanks again for listening in to this, John. Where can our listeners find you and your content?
2: Yep, on uh, Twitter, Johnny Venerable, and of course here on the All TV podcast, as well as Revengeofthebirds.com. We are so stoked for the next week and a half. The content that we're going to be bringing to you on this podcast and other platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in this week.
0: Thanks again, folks. Take care, and go Cards.